Today we want to start a brand new series called Anointed. Everybody say anointed. So anointing or anointed is a word that we don't use very often, but it's used a lot in the Bible. And so today we want to kind of get into that. We're going to dip our toes in it just a little bit, the idea of being anointed. And, um, and something I picked up from a pastor friend of mine is something new. We haven't done this before, but I want us to memorize a verse together, okay? I, I know that sounds like, like children's church. Uh, I, I get it. But that's okay, because we all need to get the Word of God inside of us. And so we want to memorize one verse. And listen, I'll try to make it as easy as possible. I'm not even giving you the whole verse. Like, I cut the verse in half, because uh, Shannon told me that he didn't want to memorize lots of Scripture. He said he only has so much memory to work on this stuff. So here's what I want you to do today, just to help us out. Uh, we're going to put Luke chapter 4, verse 18, just the first part of it. We're going to put it on the screen if you guys would, and, and here's what I want us all to do together. We're going to read this verse together. Can we do that? All right, here we go. We're probably going to butcher this. Let's try it and see what happens. Here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Man, you guys did awesome. That was great. Good job. Give yourselves a big hand. Sean, you were the first one to give a hand. I had to go with that. That was good. Sean was like, hey, if I do something good, I'm clapping for myself. Nobody else is going to clap for me. I'm going to do it by myself. All right, let's do it one more time. Just humor me today. We're going to get this in our heart. Ready? Here we go. Three, two, one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So, so let's talk about that word anointed for just a second. In the Bible, the word anointed is used... Uh, to, to represent something, it represented a calling, it represented a, a purpose or, or someone being set apart. The word consecrated is used a lot. Um, and, and what they would do is they would use uh, oil and they would take oil and the oil in the Bible always represents the Holy Spirit. And they would put the oil on the head of a priest or a king or a prophet. And that would, that would signify that the Holy Spirit was going to use that person for something special, for some great purpose, all right? And and so it's a really neat concept to understand that that they would anoint their heads with oil. So we read Psalm 23 a couple of weeks back. Uh, Last week, uh, Cowboy preached, he read Psalm 23, and, and David said, you anoint my head with oil. Remember that verse? That's talking about this right here. It's talking about the anointing, the anointing someone's head. And and so that's what they did in the Bible. Now, sometimes they would just take uh, a little bit of oil on their thumb and they would just just mark their forehead. Sometimes they would take a flask of oil and pour it over someone's head. Have you ever gotten oil on yourself before? You know how hard it is to get oil off of your hands? Can you imagine someone pouring it on your head? Well, I have a friend of mine and... uh, and, and he was in charge of this big youth conference one time. And he wasn't like the speaker or anything. He just ran the youth conference. And, and the guest speaker got up to preach. And, and when the guest speaker got up to preach, he was talking about the word anointing. And, and so whenever he was talking about it, he got the head of the, of the youth conference. He asked him to come up on stage. And, and, and the guy didn't know what was happening. And so he comes up on stage and he noticed there was a little baby pool, like a little baby swimming pool on stage. And so, so they asked the guy to get in the baby swimming pool. And so he's standing in the baby swimming pool. He doesn't know what's about to happen. And, and then the, the guest speaker goes behind him and pulls out a jug of olive oil. 
Not a little flask, not a jar, a jug of olive oil that you would use for cooking, like industrial, commercial. And the, the, the guy, my friend, he still didn't know what was going to happen. But the preacher took that jug and poured the whole thing all over his body. And the preacher thought this was this great symbolic spiritual moment that everybody's going to get fired up. And this guy is really going to just get fired up for God. And it's going to be a great moment. Well, I just happened to be backstage because I was helping with the conference. And so while I was backstage, all of a sudden, my friend comes walking in to the backstage area with towels everywhere and just covered in oil. And he was fuming mad. There was no spirit of God. There was a spirit moving, but it wasn't God's spirit, right? He was so upset. He was so mad. So I promise you today, we will not, we will not get any baby pools out. I have no big jugs of oil. I went to look for one um, and I was going to get Bobby to come up here, but we're, we, I didn't have one. So we're not going to do that today. But we want to talk about this term anointed because I feel like God is anointing each and every person in this room for some purpose. I feel like God's got something. He's got a plan. He's got a mission that he's on in this community and in in our cities, in our schools, in our um, in our in our gyms, in our grocery stores, at our gas stations, the places we frequent. I believe God's got an anointing for your life. You students that are going back to school, you teachers that are going to school, I, I pray this over Perry all the time. I'm constantly telling Perry this over and over again. You're not just at your school to teach ABC and one, two, three. You are at your school because God has anointed you for a purpose to minister to somebody's life at that school. And I believe that for each and every one of us. The, the problem is sometimes we don't recognize what God's trying to do. And so, so today we're going to dip our toes in it. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for the next four weeks. That's going to be my goal is to talk about the Holy Spirit. Talk about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Wants to, what, what he wants to do in you and through you. What the Holy Spirit wants to do around you. And, and I believe he's got a mission that he's on. And so that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, I, I want to really talk about today's message. I want to talk about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Because I think sometimes we get the purpose of the Holy Spirit wrong. I was telling our new, we had a new members class a, a couple of weeks ago and, and we had like five couples in our new members class. It was awesome. And so we're sitting there and I started telling them about um, some, some questions got asked about different things that we believe and different things that we teach. And, and a question was asked about Holy Spirit. And I, and I said, you know, there's a lot of different backgrounds in our church. And so I'm always cautious, not because I'm afraid of what someone might think, but I'm afraid of what abuse, spiritual abuse they may have been through at their old church. That somebody, sometimes we can take things and, and twist them or use them in the wrong way. And, and then we get burned on it. And so when we come in here uh, and someone starts talking about something, let's say talk about the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden there's people start tensing up. And, and so this is what I want to talk about today. I want to kind of lay a foundation so that we all kind of are on the same page. And, and some of the things, some of the things that I notice in churches, there are some churches that anytime they talk about the Holy Spirit, it's all about feeling good, Right. Maybe you came from one of those churches. Maybe that's your background. It's all about the goosebumps. It's all about the, 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 the wiggles and the, you know, oh, I got the, the you know, and I feel it. And, and, and we get that kind of sensation, right? It, it's all about the show. It's all about the, the preacher on TV taking his jacket off and waving it over a crowd and everybody falls over like they're dead. It, it, it's all about the big and the extravagant. 
Anybody ever heard of a church like that or seen that on TV? Yeah, a lot of us have. A lot of us have. A lot of us came from churches like that. And so you understand that aspect of it. And and I'm not saying that that the Holy Spirit can't produce a show. I mean, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit showed up in the in the Old Testament, that the whole temple was filled with smoke and everybody fell on their face. Like like when he shows up, he can do whatever he wants. The Bible says in the book of Acts that he showed up and it was like a, a, a whirlwind in a, in a little room and there was tongues of fire on people's heads. The Bible says in Acts chapter four that when he showed up, an earthquake happened. So so I get it. There is that side of it. But sometimes some of us as Christians, we get caught up in one vein, one aspect, and that's all we know. And then there's another side of, of Christianity. So that may be the more Pentecostal charismatic side. But then there's a non-charismatic side that gets caught up. And they, they begin to regulate the, uh, uh, the, the Holy Spirit. They begin to, to put him down into like Jiminy Cricket sitting on your shoulder. Right? He's just a good conscience. And he just helps me know the right thing and the wrong thing if I listen to him. And, and so we, 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 we move the Holy Spirit and we confine him to this little Jiminy Cricket kind of guy in our life. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about what is he really wanting to do in your life? Is he all about the show? or Is he all about the the Jiminy Cricket? Or is there something else completely that the Holy Spirit's trying to do? And maybe those things are just just outside aspects that we focus way too much on. Right? It's like if you go buy a car and it doesn't have an engine, but you start talking and bragging about how great the leather seats are. Nobody cares about the leather seats if the car don't go, right? You can sit in it all day, but if it doesn't get you to point A to point B, you've missed the purpose of owning a vehicle. And so that's what we want to talk about is the purpose today of the Holy Spirit. And and I feel like there's a thread throughout Scripture that we we can start in the book of Genesis and we can end in the book of Revelation and we can see a consistent thread throughout Scripture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and through us and in this world. But the thing is, we need to know the the why before we know the what. And sometimes we get caught up in the what. You know, what? What can I do? What, what, what about the gifts? And what about the fruits? And what about the filling? And what about, all, we want all the what's, but we forget about the why. Why does all that stuff matter? It only matters if you understand the why. I was, I was following a coach one time and, um, and, and he was, uh, uh, he's a CrossFit coach. So if you, if you know what CrossFit is, then you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what CrossFit is, just think of like really silly workouts and you're probably really close to CrossFit, right? So, um, and so this coach is talking, he's 70, like 75 years old. The coach is 75 years old and the coach is talking about who he coaches. And he says, I coach all ranges of people, but I really focus on going to nursing homes and I do CrossFit classes at nursing homes. Now, all of you that are, that are CrossFitters or you uh, go to different gyms that do stuff like CrossFit, you're immediately thinking, I cannot see a 90-year-old man, you know, doing a muscle-up, right? No, no, no. It's not that. He says, listen, when I go to nursing homes and I'm, and I'm, and I'm coaching these people, he said it really helps explain why we do what we do with the younger people. He said, when I go to the younger people and I try to tell them to do a burpee, and I say a burpee is you go all the way down to the ground, your chest touches the floor, Right? Your chest, so, so burpee, chest touches the floor all the way down. And then you do what? You stand all the way back up. It's pretty simple. But you would not believe how many people, whenever, whenever we say do a burpee, I saw some, some uh, TikTok uh, social media challenge, how many burpees can you do in an hour or whatever it was this girl was doing. And she was just doing this. And she's standing up, she's doing this. And I'm like, that is not a burpee. A burpee, you go all the way down to the ground. Right, Cam? Cam knows. 
Cam will not let his wife work out and scale or, or modify anything. He makes her do the hardest workouts possible. So I'm watching this girl, and she's doing the burpees wrong, and I'm listening to this guy, and he's talking about the burpees and how he's teaching the young people. And he says, he says what really helps people understand is whenever I take them to the nursing home, and I'm teaching my nursing home class of 80 and 90-year-old people how to do CrossFit. And he says, here is workout number one. Lay on the ground. And all the 80 and 90-year-old people lay down on the ground. And he says, now get up. And they all stand up. He said, that's a burpee. Right? That's a burpee. Good job. Now do it again. And they all lay down. And this time he says, now roll on your side. And they roll on their side. And then they roll back over. And then they stand up. And they stand up. He says, now sit in a chair. And they sit in a chair. He said, now stand up. And they stand up. He said, you just did a squat. Okay, so here's the thing. If all we ever tell people to do is you need to do a burpee. And they may be doing the burpee completely wrong, but they've missed the why. What is the why behind doing a burpee? The why is when I'm 90 years old and I fall on the ground, because that's probably going to happen knowing my luck. When I fall on the ground, I need to be able to physically get myself back up. I don't know very many 90-year-old people, period. Yeah, I don't know a lot of them. All the 90-year-old people I know are dead. I don't know that many 90-year-old people that fall down like this. If you're 90, you fall all the way down. If you're me, 42, I still fall all the way down. And so the, the idea is the why behind the what. The why is I want to be able to get up when I'm 90. And this, this 70-year-old coach, he's explaining that. And he says, you got to understand the why. If you just tell people to do exercises, then they'll do random stuff. And that's where we see all these, these videos of people in the gym. And they're jumping around on the, you know, the pulleys and doing all the weird things. They don't know what they're doing. They're just playing at the gym. He says, but I'm trying to help people get into their 90s and be safe. The Holy Spirit... What we do sometimes with the Holy Spirit is we don't understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So we read in the New Testament and we start trying to act out all the things of the Holy Spirit without understanding the purpose behind the Holy Spirit. We've got the what, but we don't understand what we're doing with it. And so therefore we end up abusing people or making someone uh, be turned off to what God's trying to do. So what is that thread? What is the thread? Uh, the, the thread is this. We're going to go through a couple things. The first part of the thread is he is a light to the darkness. The Holy Spirit is a light to the darkness. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 uh, and 2, it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, a, a couple of things, without getting super deep into theology here, or, um, or, or, or into theory, really, more than anything else, it is some, some folks, whenever I did this study, uh, there's a lot of different things you can get into, but, but some people talk about when it says there was darkness over the face of the deep. They say, some, some theologians say, that that is when God had cast the devil out of heaven. And that there was darkness, not just dark, like turn the lights off. The word darkness, they say, really represents a spiritual darkness that had entered into creation. But I find it interesting that the very next thing it says... And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was hovering over the deep. And when we think of hovering, we think of like a helicopter flying low. 
but really the word hover there, it's a term that's used for like eagles. Whenever they stir up their nest, they cover their babies and they begin to stir up the nest and they're preparing their babies to get out of the nest and go fly on their own. And so what is happening here, the, the theologians that I read, they said that the spirit of God was hovering. He was preparing a way for God to bring light and life into a dark world. Now, we see that also in the New Testament. If we continue the thread of light to darkness, you're going to find this in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is the, is the story, the three stories of the lost things, right? So the first story Jesus tells is he tells the story of a shepherd that lost one sheep out of a hundred. And, and, he, and we all know the story. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. And, and that represents Jesus because Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, right? And so that represents Jesus. And then the other one we focus on a lot is the third story where it talks about the lost son. And, and a guy had two sons and one son went off and lived a wild life. And then, and then all of a sudden decided to come back. And when he came back, the father, right, the father received the son and, and, and restored his identity, restored him back to the family. And so that represents the father. But if you read all three three stories, you're going to see all three parts of the Trinity because there's a middle story in there that we don't read very often. So verse eight of Luke 15 says this, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a what? Lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I found the coin that I'd lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who, who repents. This middle story represents the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. That the Holy Spirit is constantly pursuing us in the what? In the dark. How do I know that? Because the woman had to light a lamp. If she didn't have to light a lamp because it was light, right? But she lit a lamp because it was dark. There's a thread. If you begin to pull on the Holy Spirit, you're going to see a thread of he's always bringing light to the darkness. And some of y'all go to work in the dark. Some of y'all's family lives in the dark. Some of your, some of your friends that, are, that you surround yourself with are in the dark. So what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Is the purpose of the Holy Spirit for you to get the goosebumps and, and for you to dance around? Is, and I'm not saying any of that stuff's wrong. Please understand me. I, I'm just saying we focus on the wrong thing sometimes. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit for you today is to bring light into the darkness. And if we miss that, we'll get focused on all the wrong stuff. So the first part of the Holy Spirit, the first thread is light into the darkness. The second thread, if we begin to pull on it, is bringing life to dead things. Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 8 and 9. Now, throughout the Bible, anytime you see um, oil or like a flow of water, typically that represents the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel is having this vision of the temple of God. And from the temple begins to flow a river. And he's like, wow, this is crazy. And so he goes to check it out. And he says every time he goes to check it out, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And he says at first I was just ankle deep and then I was knee deep and then I was up to my hips. And then all of a sudden the river was so deep, I was swimming in the river. Like I was floating and the river was controlling me. I wasn't controlling the river anymore. And he begins to talk about, so that river represents the Holy Spirit. And here's what he says in verse eight. And and it's an angel speaking to him. He says, and he said to me, this water flows from the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah and enters the sea. Now, it doesn't say it in this version, but sea there in the little footnotes is the Dead Sea in Israel. The Dead Sea is full of salt. The Dead Sea has no outlet. So therefore, it's got rivers running into it, but no outlet. So it's dead. Nothing lives in this Dead Sea. Right. 
It's very low, so it has no way to, 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 to get life flowing through it. It's just stuck. And so it says uh, the water flows into the sea. Now check this out. The water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. There will be very many fish. For this water goes there and that waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. So in the Old Testament, we're reading the thread. We're pulling the thread. First, that he brings light to the darkness. Second, that he brings life to the dead. How do we know? Because he says, he says there's a river called the Holy Spirit. And that river flows into dead places and makes everything live. He makes everything live. And then when you read in the New Testament, you continue to follow the thread. In John chapter 7, Jesus says this in verses 38 and 39. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Listen, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to bring light to the darkness. He wants to use you. He wants to bring life to the dead things. There's people in your life right now that you would consider dead, spiritually dead. You would look at them and you would say, I don't think there's any hope for this guy. I don't think there's any hope for this girl. They're too far gone. They're, they're, they don't believe at all. They, they, they're, they're completely atheist or they're completely addicted or they're completely sunk in, their, in, in themselves and, and they're too far gone. There's nothing that can be done. And God says, I've got a river of life. Now listen, it's important to notice that river of life, that Holy Spirit river, it doesn't flow out of the temple anymore. What does the Bible say about us in the New Testament? It says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that river flows out of us into other people. I'm helping set some stuff up here. I know this message may be a little bit, uh, a, a little bit foundational today. But whenever we start getting into some of the other aspects of the Holy Spirit, you need to know why we're talking about what we're talking about. Because it's not about getting gooseys. It's about changing lives. See, we can come in church and we can feel good all we want, but I promise you, all that's going to happen is we're going to, we might could even grow a crowd, but we're not going to affect change in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our city. My goal here is not to build a crowd. My goal here is to change people's lives. I want to see the Holy Spirit move in people's hearts. I want to see people that are addicted get set free. I want to see people that are spiritually dead come back to life. I want to see people that are confused become totally clear on their identity in Christ. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen if all we're looking for is Jiminy Cricket and Goosebumps. We got to know the purpose. The third thing that the Holy Spirit, the third thread I want to pull today is that he wants to bring liberty to the bound. In Isaiah 61, 1, the Bible says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now you're going to think we just read that out of Luke. Yes, we did. Because Jesus quoted it in Luke. He quoted this scripture about himself. He said, this is what the Bible says about me. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I, I know you're not Jesus. But, but you and I are still anointed by the Holy Spirit, just like he was. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Listen to what else it says. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives, and the opening of prison for those who are bound. Can I tell you something today? He's got a purpose, 
He's got a plan. He's got a mission. And you and I need to get on board. We need to stop waiting on him to make us feel good. And we need to go out and do what he's calling us to do. We need to follow what he's already doing. What is he doing, Gabriel? He is trying to set the captives free. He says, I'm here. The spirit of the Lord is on me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of prison for those who are bound. Now, you and I work with and we're around people that are bound up in all kinds of stuff. We know people that are addicted to alcohol, to drugs. We know people that are addicted to pornography. We know people that, that are not necessarily addicted to those things. Maybe they're addicted to themselves. Maybe they're addicted to, to, to their own uh, popularity, their own status. We know people who are bound up spiritually because of their past, because of things that have happened to them. I, I was talking to someone uh, not too long ago in, in and they were talking about how, how uh, one of their loved ones is so bound up that they can't. They used to be a follower of Christ, and now they can't even see God anymore. They're not following God anymore. They're totally atheists now. Why? Because they're bound up in their own thoughts, their own wisdom, their own understanding. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, continuing that thread, 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, we want to take that on ourselves. We want that to be all about me. God, your spirit is with me and I'm free. But here's the thing. Once you get free, then you've got a job to do. Your job is not to come into church and get free and keep coming back to church and being free. You're not doing God any good by sitting on these padded chairs or those plastic chairs. This is great. But the point of being free is to go set someone else free. It says where the spirit of the Lord is. Wherever his spirit is, there is freedom. So, Jake, that means whenever you're, you're trying to roll around on the ground and teach those boys and girls how to wrestle, and you're trying to teach them how to lock somebody up and how to knock them out, at the same time, God's going to put people in your life. He's going to bring young men in your life that don't know Jesus. He's going to bring young men in your life that aren't saved. He's going to bring young men in your life that are addicted to all kinds of stuff. They're bound up with all kinds of things. And it's up to you to allow the spirit of God to move through you to minister to their lives. You teachers, God is constantly bringing kids into your life for a purpose. Someone was asking me some questions about when I used to work at a school and I was telling them because I used to work with the, the bad kids at school. That was my job. And I was telling them I had one kid that was so bad. It was just always a struggle. Five years old. At five years old, his older cousin had already introduced him to hardcore pornography at five years old, can I tell you something? A five-year-old doesn't understand what's happening. They don't know what that means. And this poor baby was so mentally just locked up because of what had been exposed, what had been shown to him. He didn't know what to do with his life. And so everything he did was sexual. Every comment he made was terrible. And, and he had all this anger and violence inside of him. Why? Because he had so many different emotions and so many different thoughts raging through him. And he didn't know what to do with them. Five years old, don't tell me that all you do as a teacher is babysit. No, God has put you in that school for a purpose. God has put you where you are for a purpose. Because he's got, there's this thread of bringing liberty to the bound that the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. I need to stop talking. But I'm not going to. Let me just show you really quickly 
this purpose expressed in the book of Acts. And I know when I start talking about the book of Acts, that some of y'all get real tight. Real tight. Like, like I get it. You're going to get up and there's going to be like a, like a mark in my seats. Listen, let me tell you something. We're going to preach the whole Bible. Front to back. Whole thing. And we're not going to be afraid of anything that the Bible says. Because Jesus said this. He says, if a good father is asked for a fish, will he give his son a snake? No, he won't do that. He says, if a good father is asked for an egg, will he give his son a scorpion? Absolutely not. So there's nothing in this book that I can be afraid of. This book is all for me, and it's all for you. So let's talk about Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2, the Bible says this. The Bible says, when the day, Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all, let's stop right there for a second. Let's talk about Pentecost. Let's talk about Pentecost. The word Pentecost, now I know right off the bat y'all are thinking about Pentecostals. How many of y'all think about, who knows what a Pentecostal is? Anybody know what a Pentecostal is? Some of, y'all, some of y'all know what a Pentecostal is. Shannon and I just talked about some Pentecostals the other day. There, I, I, heard, I heard another preacher one time say there's two kinds of Pentecostals. There's one kind that don't ever wear makeup and grow their hair out way too long. And there's another kind that wear all the makeup that the other kind didn't use. They put it all on and they look like clowns. Uh, that's probably mean. If you're a Pentecostal watching today, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't make that up, though. Someone else did. But here's the thing about Pentecostal. Here's the thing about Pentecost. The word Pentecost just means 50 days after. Like, it's not that scary of a word. Like, if I walked up to you and I said, 50, like, would you jump? Probably not. You know what I mean? Like, some of y'all would. Like, I would because I'm, like, I'm almost there. Like, I'm getting close. You know what I'm saying? But if I said 50, nobody would be scared of the word 50. 50 is not scary. Pentecost just means 50 days after. What does it mean 50 days after? 50 days after Passover. There is, in, in the Jewish culture, they celebrated Passover, and then 50 days later, they celebrated Pentecost. Why? Because Pentecost was a harvest festival. It was all about bringing in the harvest. Now, isn't it interesting that the first time the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene in a mass way like this, like we see in Acts 2, where it says the, the, the disciples were all together in the upper room and they were praying and seeking God and the Holy Spirit showed up. And when the Holy Spirit showed up, the Bible says a wind blew through the room and fire showed up on their heads and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Isn't it interesting that the day that happens is on a day of harvest? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Is it to make me feel good? Is it to give me some good ideas? Or is it to bring in a harvest? His whole purpose is to bring in a harvest. His whole purpose is to bring in a harvest. The problem is there's not enough harvesters out there. And so Jesus said this in Luke 10 too. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The word send out there, we think when we read that, we think God has this whole crew of harvesters that he is holding back, that he is not allowing to go anywhere. That's not the case. The fact is the harvesters that Jesus says we need to be praying for are us. 
The word send out there means to drive someone out, to kick them out. It doesn't mean, hey, buddy, it's time for you to go. It means that if God were to come into this room today and he would look at us, he would say, you've been here long enough. You've sat on these seats long enough. Now get out of here. And he would start kicking people and hitting people. And y'all wouldn't think God would do that. But Jesus did braid a whip and hit some folks. So it happens sometimes. And so he would drive us out into the harvest fields. Why? Because that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring in a harvest. To bring in a harvest. Now listen, Jesus doesn't want us to bring in the crowd. Crowds are great, but crowds don't, don't change the world. God wants to bring in a harvest. Lives that are transformed. Lives that are changed. And God's calling you today. He has anointed you today. To bring in a harvest at your work, at your school, at at, at the places you play, the places you you hang out. God's called you. There's a purpose behind the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to see something though. In Acts chapter 2, everything was really easy. They they, they had this incredible moment. And the Bible says that there was like 3,000 people or thousands of people, more than 3,000. Thousands of people out in the area beside where they were and they could hear them. And and, and as they heard them, they began to ask questions. And the Bible says that Peter walked outside and Peter preaches one message and 3,000 people get born again. 3,000 people come to Christ and they're all getting baptized and they're starting a new church and everything's great and it's awesome. It's so easy. The Bible says all they did was go hang out with each other. They ate in people's houses. They went to the temple and prayed. And the Bible says every day more and more people were being added to their number Everything was super easy because they were in line with the spirit and the harvest was coming. It was all easy until Acts chapter four. Two chapters later, now they're getting murdered. Where they were preaching in the streets, now they're getting getting killed in the streets and life got real hard. And here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter four. They begin to pray again because they're, they're noticing some issues. And this is where we're going to start leading this message series. I'm, I'm trying to lead you into the next message today because, because here's the thing. For a lot of us, doing church is real easy, but real life is hard. Coming in here on Sunday mornings and um, I would say putting on your nice clothes, putting on your blue jeans and coming in here on Sunday mornings is easy. We get the comfy chairs and, and we got somebody playing music for us and, and we got all the comfortable. We got the air conditioner that sometimes works and, and we got all the things. But whenever you go back to your job and they're cussing you out, when you go home and your spouse doesn't serve Jesus and they're always mad, Whenever you go to your school and nobody, nobody wants to hear what you got to say and you're not even allowed to speak the name of Jesus, now all of a sudden things get hard. And so look at what Acts 4 says. Verse 29, the disciples begin to pray. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Two words I want to point out. One is the word speak. In the Greek there, that word speak, these Greeks, man, they know how to do languages. We just think speak like they're just talking. But in the Greek, that word speak means to tell everything, to not hold anything back. To tell the whole story. 
And what we do sometimes is we get um, scared that we're going to offend somebody. And so we don't tell them the whole story. We just tell them little bits of the story. We just tell them the parts of the story that maybe they might connect to or they might like, but we don't tell them the whole thing. And that word right there, they begin to pray and they say, God, we're scared. Look at their threats. We're anxious. We're worried. We don't know what's going to happen to us. They're trying to kill us. You've got to give us some boldness. We need your spirit to move in our lives. And so what did he grant them? He granted them the ability to speak everything. The second word is the word boldness. That word boldness means two things. It means daring. I love the word daring, right? It makes me think of like, being willing to do anything, being brave, jumping off of a cliff. Like, that's daring to me, right? And, and so, so he says, what does the Holy Spirit do for these guys? He gives them the ability to say anything and then gives them the ability to be daring in their ministry. When was the last time we were daring as Christians? I got a bunch of firemen in the room. They're all, like, very daring. They will run into a burning building at the drop of a hat. But, but when it comes to our Christianity, we become very fearful and very afraid and very intimidated. But not these guys. Why? Because they had the Holy Spirit. The other thing it, it means, it means daring. The word boldness means daring. And it means lucid. Lucid. Lucid means bright, luminous, shining. In other words, they weren't trying to hide anything. They said, I'm going to be a light in the darkness. I'm going to bring life to dead places. I'm going to bring liberty to every bound person I can find. So what do we need to do? I think part of our problem, our problem really honestly is never the Holy Spirit. Our problem is always us. And I say that not to like be mean to us. But I can see the constant thread of the work of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. He, he's always going into dark, dead, bound up places. He's always trying to take light and life and liberty everywhere he goes. He's all about the harvest. He's all about bringing people to Christ. That's what he does. So if we're not seeing that in our lives, it's not because he's not working. It might be because we have an issue. And in Ezekiel, we read about that issue. Ezekiel 36, God begins to tell people how we're going to fix this problem. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Verse 25, I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. See, see, right off the bat, one of our problems sometimes is we might have some sin in our life that we haven't repented of. We haven't asked for forgiveness of it. We've, we, we, we've prayed the prayer and we've given God the thumbs up and we've shaken the preacher's hand, but we keep holding on to this area that we know God wants us to give up. And he says, listen, I'm willing to set you free from your sin, from, from your uncleanness, and from your idols, those things that you put in front of me. I'm willing to set you free from those. And this is the cool part. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. What is the new spirit he's going to put in you? His spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I can't wait to get to the part of the series where we talk about 
being filled with the Spirit and what that means biblically versus what you heard at your old church or even at this church a a few years ago. It's really cool because he says here, I will move you. I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. The word filled there means that the Holy Spirit puts you on like a coat. That you're just the outer shell. As he moves, you move. As he does something special, you're doing something special because he's moving inside of you. But it's that new heart thing I want to focus on for just a second. It says a heart of stone. That heart of stone is frozen. It's stuck. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's jammed up today. It's jammed up by fear, anxiety, doubt. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's really what the Bible says, Pastor. I just don't know. You know, I, I had someone tell my mama told me one time that someone talks about the Holy Spirit. That's really the devil. I've heard that before. <laughs> so stupid. Our heart sometimes gets jammed up. It gets hard. Sometimes our heart of stone is really, it, it's really just a heart that's stubborn and, and it's hard-headed. And it's because we always want to do things our way and not his way. But God says today, I want to give you a new heart. And that new heart is soft and pliable. That new heart is a heart that's willing to accept the mission of the Holy Spirit. What is his mission? His mission is to bring light into the darkness, to bring life to dead things, to bring liberty to those things that are bound. He is constantly drawing in the harvest. That's what he does. And today, I want to encourage you to allow God to give you a new heart that's soft and pliable and willing to follow the Spirit on his mission. See, we go through life sometimes and we talk about this. We say, what's my purpose? Can I tell you it's not about your purpose? It's not about my purpose? When I got a hold of this one time, it really helped me out. I feel like I'm called to preach. I feel like that's what God has me doing at this moment in my life. This is the ability he's given me, whether it's great or not. I don't know, but he's put me here. And that's my calling for right now. But my purpose in life, I don't know that I have a purpose. I believe he has a purpose. And my job is just to get on board with his purpose. To prepare the way. To draw in the harvest. Why don't you stand up with me today? As we close out our service today, we're going to have a couple of people on our prayer team, people that we trust and, and, um, and we don't think are going to do anything weird or silly. They're going to come out. And, and our prayer team, they're going to stand on either side of the stage. They're going, to, they're going to be willing to pray with you today. If you need prayer for anything, anything, we want to pray with you this morning. But I really want to know, there may be some people in the room today, you're saying, I got a hard heart. I got that heart of stone. I'm not following Christ. I, 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 may, I may call myself a Christian because I go to church on Sundays, but I'm not a Christ follower. I'm not, I'm not really, I haven't turned my whole life over to him. If that's you today, can I tell you something? Jesus loves you. And just like the story of the lost coin, the Holy Spirit today is coming into your darkness and he's looking for you and he's trying to draw you out and he wants to celebrate the fact that you gave your life to Christ. The fact that you said, I submit my whole life to him. I want to be a Christ follower. I don't want to just be a Christian. If that's you today, he wants to celebrate with you. He wants you to give your life over to him. 
I'm going to pray real quick, and then Pastor Jonathan and Anna, they're going to sing a song. And as they sing, if you need prayer for anything, if you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ, you need to turn your life over to Him, I want you to slip out of your seat, come down to the front. If you need help today, you're saying, hey, I just, I've been struggling with fear and anxiety and worry and doubt, and I haven't been following the leading of the Holy Spirit in my job. I haven't been a light in the darkness. I haven't brought life to dead things. I haven't been bringing liberty to the bound. If that's you today, we want to pray with you and encourage you. But maybe you say, Gabriel, I just got some sickness in my family. I've got some some issues going on at home. I've, I've got some stuff going on at work. We want to pray with you too. We want to pray for anything you want to pray about today. So you'll be dismissed in just a second. But please don't leave today if you need prayer. Let me pray over you real quick and then they're going to sing. Holy Spirit, we encourage you right now. We just open up our hearts and we ask you to run through this place. Speak to our hearts and our lives, Holy Spirit. We need you today because we don't want to stay the same. We want to be different. God, we don't want to come in and go out the same person. God, if I step into your presence, I expect some life change to happen. And so, God, today we just ask that you would move in our hearts. I pray right now, Father God, that your spirit would draw us close. So that we can understand the, the why behind what you're doing. That you've got a purpose. You've got a, you've got a plan. And we want to get on board with that today. So God, I just pray that you would touch our hearts today. I pray that you would change out our hearts of stone. Our hearts of fear, anxiety, stubbornness. And replace it with a heart of flesh. That's soft and pliable and obedient to your call. In Jesus' name, amen.